Off the Ball with BetDuck.com, the sports betting exchange. Serious about sports 24-7. Every season, every sport, every team. All right, Brian O'Driscoll, good evening to you. How are you doing? Good evening, I'm great, thanks. Um, we had a good time at the electric picnic. We had a great time. I would recommend everybody go down next year and drop into the Newstalk tent. It was, uh, it was good crack. It was, it was absolutely happening there. Um, but it was a great, the whole festival was brilliant. I think it's something that we should be totally proud of in yeah. Ireland, that it is our kind of mini version of Glastonbury. And we do it really, really well. It seems to be getting year, better year on year. And just even the way it's organised, you know, it seems pretty seamless even to get a drink or yeah. you know, get your, find your way around. We were talking earlier about the ease of access to all the different spots within you know, a relatively short period of time. I hadn't been there for 10 years and I was kind of worried that it got to this massive, kind of huge gargantuan thing, but it actually isn't. It's just it's the a, right size. Yeah, it's Ireland. I don't think it's ever going to get to there, <laughs> which, is, which is good um, because it kind of feels a little bit more boutique and you can yeah. you can get to see it all in a weekend I'd imagine yeah, so for sure one day was enough for me uh, there's been loads of rugby news this week we'll talk about Stuart Lancaster a little bit later on we're also going to hear from Paul O'Connell in a couple of minutes time but we should start with the news that Warren Gatland this wasn't surprising at all um, I, I wondered like I, like I like the notion of a new coach taking over stuff like the Lions and invigorating it and kind of it being a, something a different story because like, we know Warren Gatland very well just even from a from a fan's perspective as well as a media perspective all the interviews are going to be the same he's going to say fairly similar stuff yeah, but Warren always throws a few curveballs out there. He, true. You know, he does like to uh, ruffle a few feathers and um, and you know not be PC at times, which always lends itself to interesting um, yeah. column inches. And uh, definitely the fact that he's a Kiwi going down to New Zealand into into his own back garden, um, and it would probably personally has a point to prove. I don't think he's been. Um, seen as as a as a world class coach that you know his CV would suggest down in New Zealand. Yeah, he never gets talked about the All Blacks job the way Joe does. No, like he got he never got plugged into the system properly after Wasps. He went back down Waikato. I think he was he two seasons there. He won the MPC with them, but yet, and I understand that the the Welsh job came up, but you got the impression that they maybe didn't see him as a as a future All Black coach. And so he's gone and done a remarkable job in Wales. He's gone on a couple of Lions tours as as backup to Ian McGeekin in '09, and then a successful tour in 2013. Yeah. So it's hard to argue the point that he's he's not he's totally you know, qualified, totally deserve oh, and deserving of yeah. it as well, because all he's done has been pretty positive with the Lions in in the last couple of tours. That's the other thing that when we were talking about it with um, Keith and Jerry, they were making the point: the schedule is appalling this time. It's like. You get off the plane, you play a game and all the best players are going to play in all those games and then you're playing the best team in the world. So having that continuity, it makes a lot of sense. It's not very exciting. That was kind of my, like, give us give us Joe Schmidt. Give us somebody who's like going to be completely different. Yeah, I listened to the guys on, on Wednesday on the podcast as well. There were some interesting things about understanding what the entity of the Lions is and that, and particularly for a foreigner coming in. So with people like Geach, he was a player and even... Um, Clive Woodward was a player with the Lions, so they understood what Lions was about. So having that, um, almost an integration via um, 09 being a backup coach, being head coach again, yeah. it'd be difficult to bring someone like Joe in that maybe doesn't fully understand or appreciate what the Lions is about. I'd imagine someone like him would pick it up pretty quickly, but at the same time, it's a very unique concept that 
probably takes a little bit of bedding in to yeah. fully appreciate the enormity of it and the special nature behind it. Does this template now kind of suggest that they do need to probably appoint the next coach? In you know, not like so. It's it's almost a, a spiritually you're going to be the next coach. Normally, we're not going to tell everybody we will actually have a proper competition. But whoever wants to be coaching should be on this tour as someone who's a backup. Um. Yeah, yeah, like it's it, worked out. It's with Gatland, it's definitely worked out. There has been that you go on a tour, you, you know. Yeah, there should be. So uh, you know, in a, in a perfect world, you look at the um, indigenous coaches from um, the UK and Ireland, and you know the, the immediate name that jumps out is Gregor Townsend. Now yeah. he, you know, I was at the um, Pro Twelve launch, and and I heard you know some journalists asking him about the summer tour and him his plans on, on going to on the Scotland tour. I, you know, it's pro- that's prior to being invited as as yeah. a potential backs coach. I'm sure it would be too great an opportunity for him to turn down if he was offered the Lions. You know, Scotland that tour is it vital to them? You know, could he learn a huge amount being on a Lions tour with the likes of Gats and some other coaches? So you'll have to wait and see that. But you would envisage that in, you know he's played uh, on a successful Lions tour in in '97. He played he played ten uh, in that great side that beat the the world champions in South Africa. So you envisage in years to come, he's absolutely seems to be teeing himself up for a head coach role. Yeah. So why not give him some experience in a coaching capacity in the lead into being able to do a better job when that time comes around? Yeah, we had Conor Murray on the show last night as well and he was saying, look, I am excited about it. There's no point in saying I'm not excited about it. I'm not going to think about it the whole time. And that was kind of refreshing because like mostly people are told, whatever you say, just say nothing. Don't even admit that you've ever allowed yourself to think about it. Yeah, well, from a player perspective, there's no point in talking about it in September. You know, the time to to talk about is when you've been selected. Um, of course, you can't you can't swerve the questions of do you, you know do you want to be part of a Lions tour? There's a Lions tour at the end of God, the I year. I hope the of questions course. are a bit better, but they course, probably aren't. Of course, yeah, you you have to answer them and go, yeah, yeah you know, it, it would be brilliant, but you know, for the moment, you know, the, my role in you know, provincial setup and national setup will give me the opportunity to play yeah. there. It'll be the party line answers if it's the party You're line well questions. That. Yeah, yeah, so. Um, only now have I really been able to give my true opinions. <laughs> um, but I, I think it, it, we, we're in danger too, though, from a, from a media point of view. And it's already started speculation about you know few, the captains and who's in this week and who's out the next week. Like you can talk it to death. Yeah. And people will be sick to their teeth of it if, you, if that goes on for a full season. And the more tours that happen, the more, the earlier that seems to start. Yeah. And yeah, I, I for one would not, I think, Come Six Nations time, you can start getting excited by it. And definitely when the Six Nations finishes, I think that's the time to really hype it up because it's probably only a month before the team gets selected. Uh, And even still, the team that gets selected won't be the team that travels. So there's so many different variables that come into play. Um, Form, injury, um, you know, Coaches' selections, so it's 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 an exciting time. But let's not put the cart before the horse. One last point on this before we go on the the whole notion of using it as motivation. Like I understand that you're all supposed to you have your own personal goals and they're supposed to be performance related, and then results come on the back of that. But at the same time, human beings desperately need stuff to kind of just take the focus away, to keep you more interested, to you know, to make you get up the, the next day and go. It's like a holiday, you know, booking a holiday six months in yeah. advance. It's, it's something to look forward to. So without a shadow of a doubt, being part of a Lions tour from a professional player's point of view in the UK and, and Ireland 
is a huge carrot. It's something that you look forward to. For me, the greatest respect I can give to it is that the excitement that was generated from being selected on my fourth tour was the exact same as the first. It was as special, it was as brilliant and as as exciting. And um, it's it's something that the players will, will 100% have in the back of their minds. But yet, you know, you, you can't get ahead of yourself for a number of different reasons. Sure. So it's no harm using it as motivation. Really. Yeah, well, absolutely, individually. Yeah. And, and the, the thing is, as a collective, particularly from a national point of view, the team that does best in this year's Six Nations will have the lion's share of, of players. So yeah. that's just how, how it works every single year. So if, you're, if you can work well in units, it'll have a positive individual effect too. Yeah, okay. The other big news this week was that uh, Stuart Lancaster is joining the backroom team at Leinster. Um, Obviously, Kurt McQuilkin leaving was a, a big wrench for Leinster. He seemed to be somebody who was very important in terms of how their defensive structure was set up. Um, and Lancaster, no one really expected him to be in the running for the job. The name wasn't kind of out there in whispers. He is very high profile. Again, it wasn't the most exciting appointment in the world as a, as a Leinster fan. You're thinking, geez, I want somebody who's going to restore Leinster to previous glories. And maybe that's unfair because we don't really know what his skill set is. Yeah, um, I, I, I was unsure initially what um, of of what my feeling was when I heard his name um, when when I heard the announcement. The more I've thought of it, the more I've read on read up on on his previous achievements, um, on what his experience, what he'll bring to the mix. I'm quite excited by it. Okay. Um, also, having a look at the way Leinster played last weekend. I think there's going to be some exciting rugby played again. I think they just need a small bit of experience and a little bit of direction given to them as well. That's prior to a lot of the senior players coming back too. Leo's talked, uh, and Jerry mentioned it on, on Wednesday, about the inexperience of the coaching ticket. Well, Stuart brings that. Nothing better than you know the, you're in the spotlight as England's uh, head coach. Four, uh, four times second in a Six Nations disastrous World Cup, and you know his head was on the chopping block as a result. But yeah. he, he does. Co- he he was a popular coach amongst all the players. Not many people have a bad word to say about him, and I just think that um, he'll he will. I think he'll lend himself well to just modifying the culture within the the Leinster setup that maybe had shifted a small bit since Joe Schmidt's tenure and just tightening things up, pulling it all together and give Leo more of an opportunity to oversee everything, allow him to do some of the coaching, allow Gervin Dempsey to focus solely on the backs, John Fogarty on, on, on line out on, 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 or sorry, on scrum and, and Stuart will be able to look obviously predominantly at defence but also give him an opportunity to, to, um, to, to, bring something to the attack shape, which um, is probably where Leinster have fallen down the last season, season and a half. Okay, so how soon does a coaching appointment like this actually have an impact with the players? It'll take time. It will take time. With the players, I think they can be impressed very quickly. Um, Very hard. I haven't spoken to any players this week about it. I think they're they're excited about someone coming in of his experience. Him having an interest in being involved with with Leinster is, you know, says big things. Um, yeah, it's a short term contract, but I think he also knows the role that he's come into. Leo is top man, and it's important that that you know maintains itself. Yeah, that you know the, there is a hierarchy of of um, of leadership within that management structure, and that Leo is top of that. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm delighted to say we've got uh, Paul O'Connell on the line. Paul, how you doing? Very well, thanks. What's the crack? Oh, very little crack at the moment. Uh, you're you're out with the uh, Aldi Play Rugby launch today. 
Yeah, yeah, we are. We're launching uh, Aldi Play Rugby, which is just, uh, uh, I suppose, a program um, for teachers, parents, or, or coaches where, where they can develop a rugby program in primary schools um, from the age of 6 to 14. It's kind of a non-contact tag rugby, easy-to-coach type system. So it's really good. Widen the player base, I suppose, and produce a few more Brian O'Driscolls, maybe. <laughs> Short, stumpy guys. Good. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Uh, how is retirement suiting you? Um, I'd say I'm enjoying it at the moment, anyway. Um, you know, uh, I... I I don't know whether it's something that hits you further down the line and you start struggling, but I, I've really enjoyed it. I, I, I think, I think I retired at 35. I think, uh, you know, I was, I was happy enough to be retiring. I've been battling injuries for a while, um, and I didn't have any, you know, I didn't have any what ifs really. I'd, I'd given it all I could, and I'd been lucky enough to to go to World Cups and Lions tours and things like that. So, you know, I think you look at young Johnny Holland there retiring at 24 or Felix retiring at 28 it's it's probably tougher in that situation but for me I have to say it wasn't the end of the world and uh, and I've enjoyed it I've enjoyed the break from rugby how, how, Paulie how, how did you uh, I'm, I'm intrigued to know because you did retire prior to Six Nations this year am I, am I correct in saying that yeah. yeah yeah so that would have been the first time you'd have watched the team you know, without you involved, but then going down on tour must have been the first real opportunity. Knowing that you're you're well and truly retired, watching the team achieving and and playing well, you know, in your and in your absence, how did that actually make you feel? Because for me, and if I'm brutally honest, a little bit of me wanted to be missed, and you you're kind of torn between the team going well, but you know, your counter or the, the person that's replaced you maybe not having you know the game of their lives. Uh, just happened that Dev managed to get out of the match in that game, but no biggie. Um, but I'm just wondering how how did you feel? Was it mixed emotions? Um, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, look, uh, maybe you know, Munster had a really tough year, and I, I and I found that I found that hard to watch. Um, Ireland, I thought had a good year. You know, they, I suppose a tough start. Um, with those first two games in the Six Nations, uh, with the draw against Wales and then and then a loss against sorry the first three games, a loss against France and a loss against England, but I didn't struggle with it. I I I don't know why, and and maybe I will in time, but I just think I was France obviously didn't happen for me, and that that was a disappointment. But I think I've been battling injuries for so long and trying to be trying to get back to a certain level for so long. That um, when it was over, I, you know, I was—I wouldn't say I was glad it was over. I was—I was devastated to retire, but I—I was—I was kind of glad I wasn't involved in that in that battle anymore. And I was able to kind of—I was kind of able to sit back and enjoy rugby a little bit. Now I—I I find it hard to sit back and watch a game and enjoy it. I, fi- I find myself shouting at the TV whenever Munster play and whenever Ireland play, but. I, I don't know. I have enjoyed the break from it. I have to say, it, 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 I haven't really struggled with it yet. Anyway, because one of the things, obviously, as uh, the person who's responsible for calling lineouts, is that you had to spend a lot of time studying. You had to do a lot of analysis. Has that gone? Like, you know, are you still watching lineouts? Going, oh, I see what they're doing here, or have you? Um, a, a little bit. I, I like. I, I record games and I like watching them. I like rewinding them, and you know, on. on 
on, on Sky Plus or whatever. I like rewinding them and looking at things that happen. So I end up, if I start watching a game with someone, I'll probably end up finishing it about an hour after them. But uh, apart from that, no. I mean, one of the things is, and, and I, I, I presume it was there in, when you retired at the end, like we can watch a game. We could, towards the end of my time, we'd, you can watch a game on the computer screen on four different screens. So you'd have all the four different camera angles. And, you know, you could watch every line out, every bit of play from four different angles. So you could watch a game, you know, over a period of 80, 90 minutes or whatever, but you're watching it, you're almost watching it four times. And uh, that's one thing I've probably struggled with is, is not being able to really watch a game in, in real detail. And even with the few times I did TV, uh, the one thing I found hard was watching it on one camera and then having to offer an opinion on it because in the past, after in Irish camp or Munster camp or whatever, you're able to go and watch that game two or three times and really form a, a fairly educated opinion on, on what you felt about the game. But um, but that that's that's part of it. I mean, uh, I, I do enjoy that I don't have to watch games of the weekends. You know, there's some weekends there I've missed watching Munster playing or I've, I've, I haven't watched any rugby at all. And another thing I've enjoyed is probably not having the ups and downs at the weekend and not having your whole mood for the week decided on 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 a game um i'm disappointed if munster lose or ireland lose but it doesn't affect me for the, for the rest of the week you know it's it's really interesting hearing you say that paulie because I, I find myself in the exact same boat that watching a game if i didn't have a pause button on my tv and, and the ability to rewind you know particularly when you're when you're doing a live game and you're watching it the, straight through at the 80 minutes. I, I kind of wonder, you know, and the the, you know, the MC or or the um, the lead commentator comes to you and asks you a question. You, you kind of blank about what went on in the game. You yeah. only realise that when you watch it a second time is when you really pull the information together and you're looking out for things an awful lot more. So it is. It becomes an art form. I think. Hopefully, I'm getting a little bit better from a pundit point of view. But it's it's incredible how much as rugby players that. The, the constant looking over and, and modifying the small little clips is the difference between being able to tweak and pull apart what's really happened and, as opposed to just watching it once and, and having opinion on it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and then you meet, you know, you meet someone like Joe then on a Sunday or a Monday who's watched the game five times on four different camera <laughs> angles. So it's almost like watching the game 20 times. You know, you're... you're you really need to. You really need to have your opinions well thought out when you're when you're going to have a discussion with someone like that. See, the thing is, listening to this, like I'm really struck by the fact that it sounds like coaching is the direction you're headed in. That it, you know, this stuff, this the, the hard arts for coaching isn't dealing with people. It's the endless hours of stuff, so that when you are dealing with the people, you're able to to give them information, and you're doing it from a position where they're going to trust that you've done the work that. Like, everybody will believe you if you can answer their questions properly. And that's the bit where a lot of managers and coaches fail, is that they haven't actually done the work to be able to communicate their idea or their philosophy properly. And you're doing all that stuff, and there's kind of not much of an outlet for it at the moment. No, I, w- I wouldn't say I'm, I'm, I'm doing all that. I, I, watch, I watch a game at Sky Close, and I, I remind us a little bit. But you miss that. Like, it, it sounds like you like doing that kind of stuff. I, I do like I just I do like it, I suppose, because... You end up with a, you end up with an understanding of the game after being involved for so long, and you know what what you think happened in a clip. You 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 want to you you, you want to confirm it, you know. So that's why 
watching a game on a four on the four camera angles is a great way to do it and being able to rewind it and uh and watch it again is is a really you know you, you as i said you want to you want to confirm you saw what you thought you saw before you before you offer an opinion on it you're involved with the Munster Academy, or at least there was a press release that you were involved with the the Munster Academy. What what is the role? Yeah, well, look, I suppose it's mainly kind of a little bit of mentoring, a little bit of advising, and and helping out with coaching and and chatting to the coaches and trying to learn a small bit of coaching myself. As, as I said, look, I was a professional rugby player for 15 years, and while I I definitely wanted to step away from it, I probably wanted to stay plugged in. A little bit, um, and that's what that part-time role with the academy uh, gives me. It, it allows me do a few other things as well, but it allows me for a few days a week um, learn a little bit and see what see what the guys are doing and do a small bit of coaching myself. Um, so it's, it gives me kind of the best of both worlds, as I said. It keeps me plugged into the game, but allows me look over the fence at some other things as well. Yeah, there was a lot of excitement at the end of uh, last season when Ronald O'Gara gave an interview where he was saying that the two of you would love to coach Munster at some point. Um, and everyone was like, oh, does that mean like right away? And he was like, oh, that's not what I meant. It just meant that, you know, at some point, obviously, we'd love to work together and it would be great to get the Munster job. There was a bit of, uh, I wouldn't say backpedaling because that's completely the wrong, the wrong word, but you know what I mean? There was a bit of explaining to be done about that. At some point, is that something that you would like to do? Is that like... You know, and if you were to do it, do you see the the road that Roland's gone down by being kind of you know coming in as part of a coaching ticket, learning kind of off Broadway a little bit to be the third person in a three man team, and then slowly working his way up that chain? Yeah, well, look, for me, I like what I do at the moment. I like that it's I like working with the young guys. I like that it's part time, um, and that's really enjoyable. Where it goes from there, I I don't really know. But I do think the way Raj has done it is probably very good. I think, um, um, you know, being over there, being away from the limelight, living somewhere differently, uh, you know, having to really go in. He's, he is really in the deep end, but probably is not as high profile in the deep end, maybe as, as Anthony Foley is or Leo Cullen is. Um, he's probably learning an awful lot because, I mean, Dan Carter is there. I, I'm not sure about the... The two French coaches that are there, I don't know them that well, but I would say if you're going to learn off anyone, Dan Carter would be a great guy to learn off, certainly from how he, he runs the game and his, his, his passing game and his running game. And I'm sure he's probably learning off Raj then in terms of the kicking game. So I think way, the way everyone has to do it their own way and you've got to do it whatever suits you. But I think I think the way Raj does it, has done it is is very good, and I think when he finishes his contract up there over there, he'll be he'll have been there I think five years or or four years at least. Anyway, you know he'll he'll be phenomenally experienced, and uh, he'll be in a very good position. Then you'd be a great ticket. Yeah, it would be it would be a great ticket. I and you know it's it's um, that's kind of uh, Roy the Rovers coaching ticket. Um, certainly for Rog it is anyway. I don't know if it works the same way for you, Paulie. Does it? <laughs> Uh, but no, it's. Um, I, I suppose you you look at the wealth of knowledge of the two boys and what they could potentially bring back into a, a coaching atmosphere, and anyone would get excited by that um, intellectual um, uh, property knowledge of, of in rugby of of those two would you know far exceed most players in in international uh, rugby and and certainly in this country. So, yeah, you don't want to lose 
you know, potential indigenous coaches um, to other things. But I, I get the impression just listening to Paulie that he's he's still kind of working out what he wants to do. Sorry, I don't want to talk, Paulie, as if you're not here. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but he's still trying to work out what he wants to do, and it's an opportunity to keep his hand in at you know at, at a at a coaching level, but then explore some other avenues too. And that's probably a smart way to to proceed if you're not really sure. Yeah, I think, look, some guys come out of the game like Felix and, and know exactly what they want to do, or, or even Darce come, comes out and knows exactly what he wants to do. Um, for me, I think it was really important to take a break from the game. Um, uh, I have a young family as well, and, and I have to say I'm, I'm enjoying the situation I'm in at the moment where I'm, where I'm still plugged into it. So it's working well for me at the moment, so I'll continue. You're... Um Involved with the Ryder Cup team, is that right? I I don't really I don't really know. I'm going to the Ryder Cup anyway, uh, which I'm really looking forward to. I mean, look, you know, if I was, you know, if I was playing now, it's it's an opportunity I wouldn't be able to take up, and uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. I've I've, I've never been I, I, I've been, but I've never been to the Ryder Cup in the states. I've never been there for the practice days or or a few days before or anything like that. So. I'm really looking forward to going over there. Well, the, the question is whether you're involved or not is did you pay for your own plane ticket over there? <laughs> I think we'll, we'll know whether you're working for them or not if you actually forked out for it yourself or whether you know, your, your, your buddy Darren actually put his hand in his pocket. So there, well, there Darren, lies the Darren answer. definitely won't be paying for it. <laughs> uh, will you be within, inside the ropes though? Is, this, like, is there a, a motivational aspect to this? Cause we, we heard uh, a lot of I, I don't think so, no. I don't think so. I, I think I might be playing some golf over there on the Tuesday, all right, but I don't think I'll be inside the ropes telling them reading putts or anything. <laughs> how is how is your game? It's it's not good. It's not good. I, I, I played a good bit a while ago, but I've I don't know that this happened to you. You 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 fall into a bit of a busy trap, and you don't know how you ended up being so busy. But uh, I'm in a, I'm in a a bit of that situation at the moment. I'm probably not playing as much as I'd like to. But uh, Good days and bad days. Uh, just when I think I'm getting back to some respectable level, it, it all falls apart again. But uh, um, no, I'm going to hopefully play now this month. I'm going to hopefully play a good bit of golf and try and be in some way respectable shape for 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 October. A uh, quick question about Munster before we wrap this up. Um, the the whole notion of the team all living and working out of the same environment has finally come to pass. We had Conor Murray on the show and he was just saying that the difference it makes is you have dinner with somebody and then you're not rushing off immediately afterwards. So you stay and have a chat and you actually know the person a little bit better. And like it never really strikes us outside that there are obviously cliques within teams because that's just how life works. Everybody doesn't automatically like each other, but it's much easier to have cliques if everybody's living apart and not kind of actually spending time together. So this could be a, a minor revolution for Munster in, in many ways. Yeah, look, it's an amazing facility. I, I hadn't even gotten a look at it before it opened on Monday. So I, I think I was in there on Tuesday evening. It's, it's a beautiful facility, and uh, um, I think it's going to be very good for them. Um, um, but you know, at the same time, I, I think I think there was there was always a very strong squad there, and that's that's where Munster have to have to be. The big thing has to be about strengthening the squad as well and, and producing good players out of the academy and, and, and making sure they get the recruitment right. You're only allowed to sign four or five foreign players. You've got to, you've got to always nail that. And then hopefully things like the facilities will supplement that as well. So, um, 
But I, I do think the way the game has gone, the detail now in, in everything you do, I mean, in terms of the scrum, the line-out defensively, what you do around your plays and attack and counter-attack, all that, the detail that's involved in it, we were only training two, two days a week. You know, AIL teams were training more than we were doing, and we were going out trying to, you know, take on, you know, the best teams in Europe. So just that time together to be able to to be able to train more, to be on the pitch more, and then to be able to walk through things more, to be able to meet a, a little bit more, I think will have to make a big difference, particularly the way the game has gone. I think in the mid-2000s we could get away with it, um, um, but but you just can't get away with that anymore. And, and look, everyone talks about the detail that Joe brings to the game. Um, you just can't. You cannot execute anything close to that kind of detail on two days a week. So um, I think from that point of view, it'll be really good for them. Do you feel confident about the, the year that Munster are going to have? Because like last year was obviously a, a really bad year on so many different levels for so many key people involved. Uh, it didn't work out for Axel as the head coach. And you know maybe it's important that he is still there and still involved and Flannery is still involved. So there's a link to your great team, which obviously did win two European Cups. But... There's also a sense that this is a chance for them to hit the reset button, and sometimes that's no harm. Yeah, I think um, obviously last year was a very tough year, and I think expectations are realistic in Munster now. For probably the first time in a long time, I think we, you know, for the last few years, we still had the expectations of of that we had in the mid two thousands. I think expectations are realistic. I think Munster, without a shadow of a doubt, the four team in the country now, and they have to. You know, they have to. Set, I suppose if with fans, we have to have realistic expectations. But um, I think it's brilliant that Anthony has stayed on. I think you know it's hard to see it now, but he is getting the absolute master's degree in 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 coaching and all the ups and downs that come with it. And I think he'll be all the better for it. I think the two guys that have come in, Rassi and Jack, have reinvigorated the place. You know, as any new coaching staff would do whether they're good or bad they'll 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 get that bump at the start but i think from what i see of him i haven't i haven't you know i haven't spoken to him a whole lot but from what i've chatted to the players and 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 the impression i get is they're two very very good coaches they've made a real big difference to the atmosphere um and i think monster now will 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 really build here now from a from a solid base, a really good, as I said, a good one centre. Um, yeah, and I think, uh, look, I think I think it'll be a good year. I, I, I don't know if we're going to be, if Munster are going to be on the podium with silverware at the end of the year, but I think it's going to be a good year. I think they'll play good rugby, and I think people will identify, Munster supporters will identify what they'll see, and they'll, they'll enjoy watching this team hopefully growing now. Paul, great stuff. We'll let you go. Thanks a million. Cheers, Ger. Yeah, Paul O'Connor was speaking to us there from the launch of Aldi Play Rugby, a national IRFU initiative with significant investment over the next four years to get primary school kids to play rugby. Obviously somebody who would be really good as a coach. You can just kind of hear, it's like, I sit and watch the game with the four cameras and I really miss that. Yeah, listen, it, he was always a detail guy before everyone else, um, even supplementation, um, you know, even stretching, yeah. um, you know, readiness to train, all that side of things. He probably almost introduced us to the teams that he was involved in. Uh, so he's a, he, and that's why himself and Joe got on so well because he, the, you know, the devil's in the detail and that's what he thrived on. Yeah. 
And that's, Paulie was outrageously talented and a brilliant athlete. But I think the difference between him and the rest as well was that work ethic and, you know, everything that he invested in his performance before he went out. Yeah. Really paid over the years. There's no real pathway for Irish coaches to come through. Like if you look, so we texted in earlier and saying about um, Leinster are still... Uh, trying to make up for Sack and Matt O'Connor and Leo if it had another couple of years now taking over the job would be a very different character and it was an awkward first season for him it was a bit of a disastrous end for Anthony Foley and, and I do feel strongly that it's a good thing that they haven't fired him because he might actually be able to learn from that and they might have saved the situation from him not being accessible to Irish rugby again Absolutely you hear Paulie talking about you know, he's getting the ultimate masters of, uh, you know, the disappointment that he, he would have felt last year and potentially being undermined but do you know what I've, I've only heard that he's knuckled down and he's trying to soak information from Rassi he's obviously I, I could see Anthony Foley in their performance last weekend against the Scarlets yeah. he's involved in breakdown and their breakdown was exceptional they didn't they, I think they only had 33% possession but yet they ran out not comfortable winners but absolutely deserving victors so um, it, that came down to their efficiency at the Rook and I think that's a component that you don't have to be brilliantly talented rugby players for that if you can get that part right well then the rest of your game can be built on it yeah. and I, I thought that that absolutely banged of his coaching For people like O'Connell who the IRFU I presume at some point want to be part of a coaching ticket and want to be part of the Munster experience and ultimately the Ireland experience what, is there something that we can build so that we say okay you do this 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 and this Like it's hard isn't it Cause it is hard there's so few jobs there are and the funny thing about about um, about professional coaching and rugby, particularly in Ireland, is you have to be careful how quickly you get to the top. Yeah, um, because you, know, you work your way through potentially an academy system or maybe an AIL, and you find yourself in a in a role in one of the provinces, and all of a sudden you're head coach. Now, in Leo Cullen's case, you know, way before he would have ever anticipated it, but it was too good an opportunity to turn down. But then at the same time, you know, if it doesn't work out, where do you go from there? If it does, you know, you might get promoted and. You stay in the club for a while and then maybe if it goes brilliantly, you might find yourself in an international role or, yeah. or in an, another European club. All of a sudden you get to 45 and you know, you've, you've peaked. done all the jobs. Yeah, you've peaked. <laughs> like... And then you know where where to next? And sometimes you have to take a demotion. And I suppose you look at somewhere, I wouldn't want to treat it, it to, to look like this, but you look at Stuart Lancaster as being coach of England and now he's assistant coach at Leinster. So that is a yeah. step down, yeah. you know, whatever way you have it. I'm sure Stuart Lancaster wants to build up, build himself up to be a head coach again in some capacity. And I don't know whether he has aspirations to be an international coach in another country. But you'd, you'd imagine his time in England, as, you know, to, to go back as England head coach is probably behind him. Yeah, completely. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll talk a bit about the uh, Pro 12 in the couple of minutes we have left. 53106 is the text number if you want to get in touch. You can tweet the show at Off The Ball. Off the Ball with BetDAC.com, the sports betting exchange. Serious about sports 24-7. Every season, every sport, every team. All right, you're very welcome back. Uh, it's Friday night. Brian O'Driscoll is with us. We should talk about the, the actual games from the evidence that we have now. Ulster had a good win last Friday night against Dragons. Leinster beat Treviso by 20 points to 8. Connacht annihilated at home on Saturday by Glasgow. And then, as we were talking a bit before the break, Munster... Uh, beating Scarlets. Munster's first win in Scarlet, I think, in five or six years, mm. they were saying. Um, it's like good good mood music early in the season, a bit of momentum, you know, it's exactly you d- what you need. Absolutely. I, I think what people don't realise too is, you know, the, you get the same points in September as you do later on in the year. And, 
you sometimes you lose sight later on in the year of what of the work that that goes on in September October particularly when internationals are yet to come back or there's a, there's a progression of them into the team yeah and then all of a sudden you find yourself in you know late April and May fighting for one pointers trying to get a bonus point just to get you into the top 4 that's why these results, those sort of results that Munster picked up at the weekend against Scarlets away, which lots of teams will find very, very hard. I think last year Scarlets had one of the best home records in, in in the Pro 12. Very, very difficult to beat. They were very poor on the road, but incredibly difficult to to beat in Parky Scarlet. Yeah, I think Munster probably looked out a small bit that the, the conditions didn't you know didn't suit that expansive game that Scarlets are playing or, or planning on playing. Um, but they were brutally efficient in in defence, hard line speed, took their opportunities brilliantly with 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 less p- possession, and just a really really efficient performance with loads to work on, and that's always a great starting point from a coach where you get your win, but you're able to pull apart lots of clips on the Monday morning to go. This is actually you know yeah we might have four points, but we could improve in this area, this area, and this area, and so you know you don't lose lose the run of yourself too early on. Yeah, the other thing is that. It must be enjoyable to play for Munster at the moment compared to last season when the knives were out for Anthony Foley from very early on. The performances weren't great. Everybody was playing within themselves with a little bit of fear. Whereas the new coaching ticket comes in, like I can't remember, it was one of the forwards was saying, yeah, it, we're now, we're supposed to smash people in the tackle. We're like, we've got to be as aggressive as we possibly can be. And okay, it's nothing. It doesn't mean anything, right? But it means that they're like, they're talking and they're smiling and they're giving interviews and they're happy. Mm-hmm. And it just changes everything. Yeah, it does. I think with a new coach coming in too, it gives everyone a, a level playing field. Yes, Rasti would have pre-formed uh, um, opinions on on footage that he would have seen of uh, of Munster games before he came uh, came over as as director of rugby. He would have done his homework and identified yeah. the players that he liked and didn't like. But then at the same time, there was a huge opportunity this preseason of impressing him on the training pitch to give him you know to get that opportunity to start. Guys like Darren Sweetenham, uh, I thought he he looked very exciting. There's been a lot of chat. I think Rasti's talked in in, in the press, uh, in in the warm up games that this guy's ready to go and he looks good. And I have to say he does look very exciting with ball in hand. Yeah. So I'll be intrigued to see whether he's able to stay the course when those internationals, when Earlsey and and Zeebs and those guys are are, are back in situ. Uh, whether he's still able to make himself um, or get himself into the into the starting fifteen. What do you make of Connacht's performance? Um, like, I think they just looked they looked rusty they looked undercooked but most of all they came up against a um, a team that looked as though they had a chip on their shoulder yeah. um, and those are three um, you know th- those three factors working against you can be catastrophic as it turned out uh, I, I didn't feel as though they were whatever it was was it 40 41 5 in um, off the result, I, I, you know, I kind of felt as though it got away from them a small bit in the second half. Having said that, I thought Glasgow looked really good for first game of the season. They um, they took their chances brilliantly. Yeah. Their back three played some really good stuff. Sarto even on the wing looks. I didn't. I didn't until I saw the team sheet. I didn't realize that they'd managed to acquire him. Um, Stuart Hogg. You know, we're talking about Lions potential Lions test players. You know, he has to be in the mix. Um, you know, if he plays anything like that throughout the year, he'll be he'll be in the hunt, um, and they just look so good. They look like a really well coached team, and that's you know huge credit has to go to Gregor Townsend for the way he's turned them around in the last three or four seasons. It's it's been 
they look as though they're they're they have a very very clear understanding as to how they want to play. Yeah, and it's good to and, watch as well and express themselves. That's yeah. the thing too, and it's lovely. You know, a player like Gregor was very easy on the eye himself, and he obviously wants to see that in the teams that he coaches. Yeah, Connacht obviously have enough credit in the bank with everybody after their unbelievable season last year that we're going to give them a couple of months to get up and running they had problems getting fixtures in the pre-season Bristol were coming over and couldn't make it and all that kind of stuff yeah that wasn't ideal they had one um, one you know proper hit out I know they did a, uh, a training game against Clontarf I think it was but one proper hit out against Montpellier so yeah they did seem just a fraction off the pace having said that they they looked as though they're not going to try and reinvent the wheel with the way they're playing yeah. um, that they're still willing to throw that pass um, you know sometimes Bundy Akib definitely butchered one opportunity where they, it looked as though it was, a, it was a certain five pointer and that could have gotten them back in level playing field and yeah. it's those sort of moments that can, can, be, can be big in games particularly early on in the season where you just need to get your confidence building get your scores up and all of a sudden um, it feels as though you know the, the wind is in your sails a little bit more. Whereas that didn't happen. All of a sudden, you know, you turn a ball over, and then it's a score down the other end, and just momentum swings against you. Yeah, they've got the Ospreys at home on Saturday evening this week. Not an easy fixture. No, they, 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 I granted it was it was Zebra, but they absolutely thrashed them at the weekend. And and um, you know, Ospreys have been probably the most consistent uh, Welsh team in in the Pro Twelve over the past seven or eight years. Um, so no, it won't be an easy easy fixture, but you get the impression that, that this Connacht team um, you know, are, are not going to give up their title easily. And yeah, they've got plenty of credit in the bank, but you know, to, knowing what will be going on in the dressing room and the chat this week, they won't want to be you know, played two and two down and having to chase it already. They'll yeah. want to get a victory and get, you know, give their support again. They talked a lot about building new stadia and and building on top of the foundations that you know, went in last year or over the last few years and the success of last year, well, you've got to maintain that because sometimes if things don't go well, the guy that is humming and hawing as to, or, as to whether home. he brings his family yeah, or, or you know, yeah. brings the kids yeah. on, a, on a Friday or Saturday, all of a sudden he's staying at home if things aren't going well. Yeah, and especially if it rains because it never rains in Galway. Uh, that, that's two home fixtures for them. Glasgow, we've mentioned, are at home against Leinster on Saturday afternoon. Um, Joey Carberry, what a it's not bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah pretty yeah. exciting at half. Yeah, he looked he looked very good. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's sometimes hard to know an awful lot against Italian opposition. They, you know, Treviso looked physical, but that second half try, whatever about the initial break, um, that uh, that step um, to beat was a Hayward at full back and and scoot in in the corner was a thing of beauty. So he just li- listening to I chatted to Leo earlier on the summer and um, and listening to a couple of the young guys or the senior players they said Joey Carberry is an exciting guy really nice young kid very um, feet very much on the ground and uh, he, he badly needs to step up to the place uh, up to the plate because Ian Madigan will be missed particularly with his goal kicking um, um, but if you if you can get a guy you know, playing second fiddle behind Sexto playing like that, you know you're in good shape. Yeah, it's not bad, and it also like it's these games. Obviously, it's great to get your home full debut out of the way and do so well. But it's these games away at Glasgow. You grow up really quickly in these matches because they're going to be sending people after you the whole match. Yeah, last weekend was a lovely starting point. Um, and it went terrifically well. His second game for for Leinster, um, but now it's you know it's a much tougher environment. I think they they've got a four G pitch there, um, so it'll mean it's a fast game. 
Um, hopefully the conditions will be good. It'll suit both teams. But yeah, they're the, t- the tougher games. You, you don't learn a whole lot about yourself playing against Treviso at home. You learn a hell of a lot more playing against Glasgow away. Um, just finally, I've got really high expectations of Ulster this year because it's a full pre-season for Les Kiss and it's his team and it's it's everything that uh, he wants. Am I right about that? Like they, they have to be thinking about themselves as a team who can actually challenge for to win the league and to be in the quarterfinals. Yeah, they've been a team that have flattered to deceive uh, over the last number of years. It's hard to, to, to fathom that it's it's 10 years since they managed to win the, the Pro 12 or, yeah. or the Magnus League as it was back then. Um, and they've been perennial semi-finalists and, and you know, Leinster have been their bogey team. Um, they have a magnificent backline. You know, when you look at that on paper, it really is. It's a, it's a wealth of um, of quality. And I don't know who you leave out, particularly when you have the likes of Charles Piatow coming in. My my concern, uh, as it would have been for any you know of, of the last number of years, whether they can get the quality ball to that back line. Uh, Kutsia being injured till January is not ideal. It's a matter of getting big ball carriers in twos. Along with Henderson, they need Coetzee or they need another big ball carrier to yeah. step up to the plate. And I don't know if they quite have that firepower. That would be my only concern for Ulster. But I think of all the provinces, they probably look in the best shape. Does it feel like this is the, it's an hour never for them, given Pinar's leaving? Um, yes and no. It's it's it, you know it's a, it's a tough that's a tough situation for them to find themselves in. He clearly didn't want to go, but the IRFU, you know, are, are crying out for scrum halves. There are not a lot of scrum halves. Uh, in Ireland, you, you know, when you look behind uh, Kieran Marmion, who you know is, is likely to be substitute to Conor Murray in, in a green jersey, yeah, you know, you don't have what you would consider world class uh, scrum halves coming through. So I suppose the IRFU have looked at that and said Pinar is inhibiting the opportunity for you know for for local talent to find their way and gain the experience to become those world class players. It's hard, it's hard to buy that argument though, in a way, because it's not as if Paul Marshall has ever prove himself to be world class it's not like he's so there's a single individual maybe there's a 19 or 20 year old who next season gets in but does he not benefit from also kind of seeing this guy who's it, world class he, he totally does but I, I and I'm certainly not trying to fight the IRFU's corner because I've got a foot I would I feel in both camps in, in the provincial and, and international camp I can see both sides yeah. opinions but you you do learn a certain amount from players at training, but then a time comes where you need opportunity play. to shine too. Yeah. And yeah, maybe from I don't know whether Marsh is going to be the answer, um, but from his perspective, he's a lot of time in seeing Pinar and, and the way he carries himself, the way he trains, and the way he performs. Um, when he's gone and next season, whether he steps up to the plate or not, or whether it's going to be a non- a, 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 another younger player coming through from the academy, I suppose we'll have to wait and see. But there is definitely a need for scrum halves in, in, in the Irish setup. All right, Brian, great stuff. Thanks very much. Cheers. Off the ball with betdac.com, the sports betting exchange. Serious about sports 24 7. Every season, every sport, every team.